You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, this morning we, we want to see how the Spirit of God will continue to help us. We are trusting that we will be children of God who look like Him, who remind people of Him, who act like Him, who think like Him in the name of Jesus. And we saw that God is love, okay? Which means since we are His children, it should be said of us that Ikenna is love, that you know you are love and we are love in Jesus' name. So it's important you know, that we understand what it's talking about, what the thing is about, because um, love is a word that has been used in different situations and abused and misused and misinterpreted. And if you seriously consider it, you can almost become scared and just push it aside that you don't know what it's about. But the Spirit of God is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is the omniscient one. He will teach us in the language we can understand, amen, and in a way that we can practice it so that concerning this area, we will not be found wanting in the name of Jesus. The Apostle Paul writing to the church, you know, the Corinthian church, says that you abound in this grace, abound in this grace, see that you also abound in this particular grace. So we want to see by the mercy of God that we are bound in this area in Jesus' name. Okay, so um, this morning we want to touch. On Wednesday we closed by looking at Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we rounded up by saying that if you have a brain, I have a brain, you have a brain, don't you? We all have brains, right? If we have brains, then we can love. It shouldn't be too difficult for us. Because all you need to do to function, to be able to achieve this love that we saw here, is to switch positions. Praise the Lord. And in the parable of the uh, Good Samaritan, we just saw that the priest, when he looked at the man that was robbed, you know, naked, beaten, abandoned there, he couldn't see himself. He just saw that I'm priest, that's the victim. It's not my portion, it's his portion, he continued. When the Levite came, the same thing, he looked at the man and said, that can never be me, and continued. But when the Samaritan came, something said to him, you journey on this road. The robbers that attacked this man, it could have been you that attacked. And then if you were the one that was attacked, and somebody is passing, what would you want the person to do? As simple as that. And immediately you saw him respond. And you know, I, the Lord showed me something from that account, which I'll just mention briefly. In that uh, Luke ten twenty five down, you, you see something there. I don't know. I doubt if the priest had a donkey. Okay? Are you with me? I doubt if the Levite had a donkey. I doubt if they had oil. <laughs> I doubt if they had wine. I doubt if they had extra uh, two denarii. I think love had made that Samaritan a big man. Praise the Lord, somebody. You could see the resources he came by with. 
Because God knew he was going to use it. Could it be that some of the reasons why we are mega, we are not mega, is because God knows that we will never use it. Is someone hearing me? The priest came from what I perceive. The Bible says when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He didn't say he rode to the other side. So he was trekking. When the Levite came also, he came and looked and passed by the other side. So most likely he was trekking. But when this big man came riding on his animal, I don't know whether it's a horse, most likely an ass, a donkey, he was riding. He came down. Why? Because this thing is of the heart. Somebody says it's of the heart. May God help us. But you can see that he was dwelling in a wealthy place. You could see the capacity that he had been functioning. So this wasn't his first time. So secret to prosperity, walk in love. Somebody should say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Okay? So that, that, that was where we concluded. So this morning we want to do something. We want to go further in the scriptures and um, look at a particular passage, passage in the scripture. We, I believe most of us must have dealt with it. I think it was in primary school that they had us cram this passage. First Corinthians 13. How many of us crammed it in primary school? They made us cram it in primary school. And those days, I didn't understand what it was. I just knew it was, you know, poetically, it sounded very nice. Okay, especially the part where it says, once I was a child, you know, and whatever, this and this and that. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. Let's open our Bibles and we'll read together. We're going to read from verse 1 to 8. Okay, let's read. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. But whether they are prophecies, they will fail. Whether they are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Let's stop here. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Now, what we have here is, you know, some very intriguing statements. Something that should, I want to believe, had led you to meditate and ask questions. Okay. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing and, uh, to the Corinthian church and saying to me, saying to us, that though one were to speak with the tongues of men and of angels, it means this person is able to come here and, you know, preach and then speak German, if there's a German person here, preach and communicate in, you know, in Spanish, communicate in French and, you know, he, he, does, he didn't learn the language. He's just flowing like that. I mean, we will be awed 
to see such a thing happen, isn't it? He went on and says, if that person were to succeed in doing that, but didn't have love, he says it has become as a sounding brass, a clanging cymbal. He says, even though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. That's deep. Praise the Lord. It gets more challenging or more intriguing. Verse 3 says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, he said it profits me nothing. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know what he just told me now? He says, When I give all my goods to feed the poor, and I don't have love, it will benefit the poor, but it won't profit me anything. Because not as if the goods will go and disappear in their hands. They will get it too. But for me, it will profit me nothing. Are you seeing it there? Okay. So what could be this that they are talking about? And if you go back to the last verse of verse 12, just the verse before chapter 13, the Apostle Paul had finished talking to them about spiritual gifts, you know, diversities of gifts, diversities of ministries, word of wisdom. And in verse 31, he said to them, but earnestly, Desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Praise the Lord. Okay, come and think with me. Follow me with your imagination now. Imagine if you, as you're seated there, could literally see my thoughts. See what I'm thinking. You know, not just know. You can see it, you know, in a multicolor. You know what I really love. You know where my passion is. Okay? Or what my, yeah, what my passion, what my interest is. You have all my activities, past and present, right before you. You can see all of that. And then I stand before you here, and I'm telling you I love you. And I come and, you know, I call you, I say, eh, brother, so come. I bless you with one million naira. But you look at the real thing that you know about me. And you know that that one million naira I'm giving you is not from my heart. If you had such capacity, such ability, how would you feel if I did such a thing to you? Will you be excited I'm giving you one million? What will you feel? How will you feel? I want to hear you. How will you feel? You know that in my heart I'm, I'm cursing you. I'm saying this um, 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 whatever has come to disturb me again. And I say, ah, how are you? Welcome. How will you feel? You, you, it, it's, it's repulsive. Do you understand? It's repulsive. Now, I'm saying that to say to us that God knows your thoughts are far off. Knows my thoughts are far off. God can see before I think. God knows what I'm thinking. God knows what I really want to say. God knows what I really want to do. God knows everything. That's how come. They pen First Corinthians 13 for us. Now, let's go back to you. Let me tell you. Let's read it this way now. It says, Do I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but not motivated by love for God or man? It is noise. So, when you read that passage now, just add motivated by love for God and fellow man. If you put it there, it begins to make sense. So, it says, Though I give my body... To be burned. But it's so that 
people say, ah, this brother is so uh, uh, zealous for God. Not that I'm zealous for God, but that they may say I am zealous for God. It says it will profit me what? Nothing. You know why? Because God does not judge just on the surface. Just the same way you wouldn't if you knew what he knows. But you and I will judge on the surface. Because we don't know what is on the line. Are you with me? So in this time that we're trying to get love, we will have to be careful. So we take a step back and get the foundations right. God speaking in Isaiah 29, 13. Please put it on the screen. He said these people, he said they draw near me with their mouths and with their lips they honor me. Isaiah 29, 13. With their lips, they honor me. He said, but your hearts are what? Far removed from me. So they say the words, they do all of that, but their hearts are removed. Okay? You look at something like that and you wonder, how will you feel as God? Nobody likes being pretended to. Nobody wants to be pretended to. People would rather you tell them to their face you dislike them or whatever you feel then they hear you say i love you and all of that and then behind you they hear something else god hears everything god knows everything god sees everything god knows your thoughts god knows what you really want to do there is this story which never really gets out of my mind and i pray one day the person who was in this story will not know is him okay but when I was in the university, I've told us this story before. You know these lecturers that insist you must buy their manual, their handout, before you pass the exam. This one was so strict that when you pay, he will write your name and exam number. Do you understand? So I went to pay and this friend of mine, you know, accompanied me to go and pay for my own. And when I got in to pay, he, he's very smart. He said to the man, the lecturer, that he would have bought this handout now because the um, exam was very close. But that the mother is out of the country. The mother is out of town. The mother traveled. And the man said, no problem. No problem. Your mother traveled. Okay, no problem. And he said, what's your name? He was writing his name and asked him his exam. Then he asked him, being an old man, we're children then. He said, ah, but if your mother was around, do you, did you really want to buy and this, my friend, said no. <laughs> this, my friend, said no. I, you know, the, the, it, was, it was statistics course that this man taught. He must be very intelligent. Because, you see, he took time to copy his number and name as if he wanted to pass him. But that copy number and name was to mark him for failure. <laughs> you know? He said, will you really? And the guy said, no, no, you know, just like. And the man said, you will fail. And he failed. Okay? Nobody likes being what? Pretended to nobody. God knows everything. God knows what I said to myself before I came to church today. God knows what you're saying as you are in church today. That's why the Bible says the expectations of the righteous what, shall not be cut off. God knows. It's another Sunday. If I don't go now, they will say I didn't come. You come. Then they, that whole purpose will be achieved. They have said you came. That's the end of your coming. Are you with me? But if you're coming and say, this is the Lord's day. I am going to worship with the brethren. In the presence of God, miracles happen. I'm going and I'm going to meet with my God and my life will not remain the same. God knows what you said also. 
That's how come the woman with the issue of blood didn't tell anybody anything. She just said to herself, isn't it? Did she tell Jesus? She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Did she come and tell Jesus, please, I want to touch your, the hem of your garment. And when I touch it, I believe I'll be made whole. She didn't say that. But God hearing all things, God knowing all things, knowing what she said, the reason Jesus said, come, woman, was for us to know her testimony. She knew what had happened. Jesus knew what had happened. But she had to be made to confess it so that everybody will know. Praise the Lord. Peter said, the multitude are thronging on you. And you're saying, who touched me? Why? Because the multitude that are thronging on him are thronging on him with different motives. But this woman said, this is what I came for. Going back to our text. So he says, if I have the gift of profession and all mysteries and I have faith to remove mountains, but it's not motivated by love for God, it says, I am nothing. Why is this so? It's so because, you see, Christianity, our faith, the faith you and I, you know, have, is founded on God's unforced voluntary love for mankind. So the Bible says, for God, so what? Loved the world. There was nothing attractive in the world. There was nothing else. Nobody pushed God. Are you with me? For God so loved the world that he gave. And based on that, his son came and died for us. Based on that, a relationship began. So as many as received this gift of his son, what happened? To them, he gave the power to what? Become sons of God. So that is the basis of the relationship. God's unforced you know, love and God's voluntary love. Now, brothers and sisters, principally, the beginning of anything would determine how it is reenacted over time. Now, because God founded Christianity on this principle of his voluntary love, his unforced love, you and I, to be Christians, must respond in the same manner. Are you with me? If And until we get to that point, Christianity hasn't begun. So Christians are people, men and women, sinners, dead in trespasses, all of that, who have seen this love from God towards them and in response said, I will love this God though. Is someone getting it? This God that loves me like this, I'm going to love him. And all of a sudden, you have an interest. Just like he had an interest to save you, you begin to have an interest to honor him and to worship him. So Christianity is originated from God's unforced love, but it is perpetuated in my life and in our lives by what? By our response to him in the same way. Is someone still with me? Let me try and break it down. You see, he said, no Roman soldier in, in, in the days where our Lord Jesus was crucified. He said, no Roman soldier will see a criminal and say to the criminal, and say, you uh, criminal, Boko Haram, okay, take up the cross and go and crucify yourself, if you will. No. No Roman crim- uh, uh, soldier will say that. But our Lord Jesus said to us, if any man desires to come after me, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. The wonder should be, why should it be if anyone desires? You don't give the criminal an option. It's a command. If anyone will, some translation will say, I'm talking about Luke 9, please. Luke 9, 23 and 24. If anyone desires, if anyone wills, 
the foundation of my growth and my interaction in this faith is that I have considered the facts and I have judged that God is deserving of my devotion. Are you with me? And I start from that and say, in this thing that I'm getting involved in, you are the most high. You are the most important. You are the reason I sing. You are the reason I live. You are the reason I breathe. You are everything to me. When that happens, there is a proper coordination. God's love coming and my response, what? Coming back. That's why from Old Testament to Middle Testament to quarter testament to the end, what the Bible keeps demanding of you and I is that we do what? We love God. Because it is that love that brings every other thing to begin to happen. And that love, the point I'm trying to make here, is not forced. Praise the Lord. You see, the Bible says in Psalm 11:3, it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can what the righteous do? Now, why is this saying that? Christianity, or rather a lot of activity, I think it was last Sunday or two Sundays ago that we talked about Christian activity and Christ-likeness, okay? A lot of activities can be engineered and be self-sustaining. Let me give you an example now. Praise and worship. The reason if we said, let's have a praise concert and we don't beg people, more people will come than when we say prayer, is that when we do praise, we come to praise God, but you enjoy yourself. Are you with me? So, invariably, my attendance or the number of people that come for the praise concert does not equal love for God or it does not amount to all those who want to really praise God. Some will be coming to enjoy themselves. And you even make it better when you call a name they have not seen in a while. Let me go and see Minister So. Let me go and see Bishop So. Let me go and see Pastor So. The same thing that happens when we have conferences. A lot of people are not coming for God. They have calculated plus minus. This is what I'm going to come for. Now, when you do that, you have come. Okay? But it is not founded on this foundation of what? Love for God. You have been inspired or motivated by other things. Now, let's try and, and, and take it from another angle. You see, God, being God, knowing just like we started by saying, knowing everything, is capable of all things omnipotent so there's nothing really he can do he can bless you without you praying he can bless you without you singing he can do everything okay but because he has set a pattern and said we are going to do this by love he holds himself and holds every other person down to that standard that whatever we do it must flow from a heart of love and in this interpretation now, this love I'm talking about is where I mean unforced, uncompelled, unwooed. I don't know if someone is getting me this morning. What am I trying to say? Pastor, what are you trying to say with, to us today? I'm saying that the reason they will tell us if I were to move mountains and have not love. God is saying to me, if at the foundation of that demonstration of power... It's not because of me. It's not unto me. He said, I have stepped out of the grounds of this relationship. Everything we are going to do, everything that we would do, everything that you're going to experience, transmit it and interpret it through this basis of relationship. I love you 
and I loved you before nothing. But now in response to that love, what I do? You're loving me. So I remain the singular, most important factor in everything that you do. Child of God, you see, I, I don't know. I trust the Holy Spirit to help us to understand it. If you understand this, it's going to unlock the questions and mysteries of a lot of things that happened in the Old Testament. You take a man like Job. Job is a man whom God himself introduced to Satan. He said, have you considered what? My servant Job. That there is none like him. Blameless. Perfect. Righteous and all of that. And then Satan, who also is not stupid. He's crafty. He's knowledgeable. He's experienced. He's wicked. He's the devil. But he's not stupid. He said, because he knew that men could not be found who fear God for nothing. And he challenged God and said, God, you have kidnapped this man with your blessing. Do you understand? This Job you're talking about, all this thing you're saying about him, is because you have hedged him in what? With your blessing. Take it away and let's see whether Job loves you. That is one thing that God is trying to prove over every life. Because that's what he began with. That is one point that the devil can only through or rather by make God, you know, uh, 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 is it uh, what now? Can stand and talk to God. When he says they are singing to you, what are they really singing to you? Look at their hearts. Look at their hearts. Look at what, look at what they came for. So God said to Satan, Job, go now. And Satan went, took his wealth, took his children, and Job was still loving God. Satan said, this kind man, I never see you. He said, I think I know the secret. When he went back to God, God said to Job, look at it. You see, Job is still what? Loving me. And you have made me to allow you to do this thing. And Job said to God, I found the real thing. It's because I didn't touch his body. Let a man for his life. Let me touch his body. And you see him curse you. What happened? God gave him permission. Sorry, Satan went and afflicted Job with diseases. And all of that. And yet realize that this man Job would not curse God. Would not deny God. He still honored God. If you notice in that book, we never heard of Satan again. After that place, we did what? We never heard of Satan. The only place he hopes to find something is when he finds men and women. Christians who are not grounded in this understanding the reason I do what I do is that I love him. Is someone hearing me? So when you have a Christianity founded on this truth, child of God, you move mountains, but it will be counted for you. You raise the dead, but it will be counted for you. You know what? It's, it's not about you. You have been sold out to him. So, Song of Solomon chapter 8 verse 6, 6 and 7. The part B of it. It says, for love is as strong as death. Okay? Jealousy as cruel as a grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Seven. It says, Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Let's have uh, the message translation. Message translation says, Love is invincible, facing danger and death. You see, when you get this understanding, you see why someone like Leah Sharibu. We'll see how many classmates did she have? Where she kidnapped with hundred and something, right? We'll see hundred and something people going free. And all she needed to say was, I renounce Christianity. 
and she will be free with hundred and something. She was the only one that kept back. Is someone listening to me? If she did not have a faith that was founded on loving God because of God, not loving God because I want a breakthrough, not loving God because I want a healing, not loving God because I want a child, not loving God because I want a car, loving God for God, if her foundation was not that, she won't think twice. But you see, she had the right foundation. Now, this is what a message tells us now. It says love is invincible. What does the word invincible mean? Cannot be conquered. You see, you, you can't threaten my worship of God with danger. Some people are ready for the messages. They said they will attack. Some people may not come to church in Abuja for some time because the uh, U.S. Embassy posted that they will attack, they will attack. Hallelujah. It says this love, it doesn't care. It's not thinking about anything. It has one thought. Is God honored? Are you with me? Is God praised? Is God glorified? It, it, it continues. It says, passion laughs at the terrors of hell. And you know, if we leave the Bible and come to real life, you and I know what we have done for what we are passionate about. Unreasonable things. Things that really don't make sense. Now, if you will come into this foundation or, you know, re-engineer this into your Christian faith. I'm telling you, you'll come to where you'll just be wondering, what have I been doing since? Where all you do and all your faith in God is for him, is about him, is unto him. Do you know something, brothers and sisters? Our Lord Jesus, from his incarnation... From his birth, there was nothing he did on earth that he was forced to do. Everything he did. At any point, Jesus could have said, I'm gone. In some instances, they were very clear to us. Let's take the instance of his baptism. When he came to John, his cousin, you know, to be baptized. John said, this doesn't happen. You need no baptism. I'm preaching a baptism of repentance. I know you, you're my cousin. He didn't know he was a Christ then. But he just knew that this man is somebody that I, John, want to grow up to be like. So he said, no. But what did Jesus say? He says, well, permit it to be so for what? Thus it is fitting to fulfill what? All righteousness. This begins to explain when we say love just decides to do it. Because if you don't understand this, what we are telling you, in some cases, when you analyze it, you will not agree. You say, no, 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 no. Abba, it's enough. But when you see that things are done for love's sake. Jesus did not baptize because he had sins. He baptized to be identified with the ministry of John so that the ministry of John can also confirm his ministry so that he can go and die for us on the cross. Everything he did, every word he spoke, the words he didn't speak, when they challenged him, said, come down from the cross. He could have come down from the cross, dealt with them and gone back to the cross. But if he did that, our salvation would be missing some things. He didn't do all of that. Why? Not because the power constrained him. Not because the forces of hell constrained him. He did that out of glory, honor, and submission to Jehovah. Child of God, that is what they are calling us to. Are you with me? That is what Christianity is about. Now, I know that a lot of us 
have been built on the foundation of 10 miracles per month. That's why you come. You will grow in Jesus' name. A lot of us have been built on every time you come, they have to make, tell you something that will make you feel good. It's all right, but you grow beyond that. You know why? That foundation is not strong. Remember what took us into this consideration of love is that we're in the last days. Isn't that what brought us in? And we saw that the love of many will wax cold. And many will have a form of godliness but deny the power. Okay? But we saw that the Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors. How? Through him that gave us muscles. No, it said through him that loved us. So the secret to winning in this season is love. That's what we're learning. So this love says, I love him. It's all about him. The apostle Paul is saying to us, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. What? Nevertheless, I live. Yet what? Not I. He said, the life I live now, I live what? By the faith of the son of God who gave himself for me. It's an understanding. It's a foundation. So then on, we say, I give my goods to the poor. The reason I'm giving my goods to the poor is not so that the poor will acknowledge me. I'm giving my goods to the poor. Two reasons. Number one is that had he not given me, I'll be poor. Hello? Uh, David taught us. He said, it is in his hands to make great. He said, it's of all that you have given to me. It's out of it that what? I'm able to. So giving founded on the revelation that God gave me what I'm giving. One, I'm telling you how to give and benefit. Okay? Then the second one is that I'm giving you not so that you will praise me. Now, some of us here would have had experience. Have you given to things to people who didn't act like you gave them anything? God loves you. He wants you to mature. Eh? You give them, give them, and they treat you like you didn't give them anything. It's all right because truly you didn't give them. <laughs> but wisdom, for those of us here, acknowledge those who gave you. It's love to acknowledge, to give thanks, okay? But if you're the giver, don't be moved. You know why? God is testing you. So it says, though I give my goods to the poor, that's why the generation we're in is an interesting generation. We have people, we have, and unfortunately, we find a lot of them in churches who their business is not Christianity, it's grandstanding. You know what grandstanding is? That's their business. Anything that happens, they will bring the man from Facebook and put his hand and say, we give him a car. And then he's on Facebook. Now, I don't know what Facebook has to do with giving a car. Is someone hearing me? What the person has done is that he has fed his hunger for popularity. And he has satisfied it. And that's where it ends. That's what this Bible is talking about. That's what we're also talking about the other day. About a lot of these so-called, you know, uh, uh, signs and wonders uh, meetings. You see, a lot of them are a desire to draw attention. Because really, you don't need to do all of that to minister to the sick. You don't need to do all of that to do all those things. But when the glory is what is motivating you, you will do all that. So you give, you announce. You call 50 people and say, I empower all of you. And then the camera goes around as they're collecting this thing from you. They're thanking you. They're collecting, they're thanking you. And you're moving, you're smiling like this. And they say, hi, he's so good. He's so great. Almighty. He can, he's so great. He's so and you're just moving. And everybody's bowing. And I say, ah, thank you. Daddy, thank you. Daddy, thank you. That's what First Corinthians 13 is talking about. You gave all of that. But heaven doesn't count it. Because in your giving, you had a need you wanted to satisfy. 
And that need was glory. And the glory has come to you. That's the end of the transaction. You say, uh, I preach. And they say, they check. This man is preaching and he's gifted to preach. What, how does he feel when he's preaching? He says, as he's preaching, he's looking at the response. Are they, are they feeling me? Is somebody feeling the anointing? It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Can you sense it now? And then when he finishes, when he sits down, he says, ah, it was powerful today. That's the end. Because in all of that, God has missed something. You see, let me read a, a scripture to you that will capture this. In John 12, 4 to 6. It's actually from 1, but 4 to 6. Something happened. Mary had gone to worship Jesus and she broke the alabaster flask and, you know, used the perfume to begin to honor and worship our Lord and Savior Jesus. Okay? And the Bible says, verse 4, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who betrayed him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? You know, there are people who talk like that today. People who sound very spiritual. But Jesus, who, like we said, knows everything. Knows what you're thinking. Knows why I'm saying what I'm saying. Knows everything. He said, this is said. Let's read that part. This is said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was what? So you can say something that sounds like you care for the poor, but you're what? A thief. So love says, what I'm saying is coming from a motivation to honor God. What he said wasn't bad. That's why they had to explain it to us. What he said wasn't bad. I mean, it's, it's, it could be an innocent thought. But when he said it, they said his inspiration for saying this. So love, in this first Corinthians 13 we're looking at, is a love that is inspired by God. His activities, every activity I undertake, is it being inspired by God? Why am I enduring suffering long? That, that verse 4. I've told you this other story. When we buried my mom. So a lot of us wouldn't have heard that story. When we buried my mom. You know this war that um, the, the churches in the village, the uh, Orthodox churches in the village, wage against Pentecostal people. How many of us know what I'm talking about? Okay, so if you buried a parent and you're a born-again Christian, you understand. So when we went to bury my mom, my brothers made the mistake of telling the church that they had a brother who was a pastor. Long and short, they still they did the burial. The day they did the wakekeeping, when they finished, it was raining. Okay? The reverend that did the wakekeeping, they said to me and some other person, okay, let's go and drop him. As we're trying to move out the cars that blocked, you know how you hold a function? Move out the cars that blocked the car we used to drop him. The man put his Bible on the head like this. In the rain. And started trekking. A journey that is like from here to more than Bannex. Started trekking. I said in my heart. Ah, the heart of man. This trekking is that I went to bury big man. And they would not drop me. So here I am going with my Bible. And the rain is beating me. Milimaram. Omaram manovuterom. You know. He says, that is suffering. Will it avail him anything? It will not. Because it's motivated by, you know, accusation, bitterness, envy, jealousy. Jonas and fault fine. He just wants it to be that these people maltreated me. There was no reason for that. We want to drop you. Cars block the car we used to drop you. Wait in the shade. Wait where there is no rain. 
you take your Bible, put on your head, and start trekking from here to Barnex. So that it will be said that this man of God suffered for Jesus. Eh? He took his cross and he went. <laughs> Do you understand? Now, these little things, when we remove them from our lives, so we know. So, some, somebody is going through a situation. And you come for fellowship and they're sharing. And the next thing you say, you people don't even know what I'm going through. Do you know what they're going through? Anybody that starts from there is already wrong. Because the Bible says, share one another's body, right? If you come to the same meeting and say, please, brethren, can you hold me up in prayer? Different attitude. Completely different. In fact, if you do that already by that statement, that body will be carried and you won't carry it again. Because you're coming from a place of, these are my brothers. But when you say you don't even know, it means you want to justify some acts of disobedience that you're already guilty of. There are some things you haven't done. So you want to tell them, this is why I haven't done it. You, you haven't even done your own. That's what happens. And all these acts, people think and justify themselves in it. Because they look only at themselves. But what we are learning here is this. Love must be to, for, from for the glory of God alone. If it comes from there, everything will f- flow in. Let me read us a scripture. I like the way uh, um, these people put it. Uh, message, Ma- Matthew 11. I actually wanted to call this message on false readings of grace. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 13. It says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out, burnt out on religion? He said, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. He said, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. He said, learn what? The unforced redeems of grace. Unforced. It's important is unforced. You know, that, that's also why here we try as much as possible not to force people, not to put compulsion on anything. Even church attendance, giving. We don't put compulsion. You know why? Once there is compulsion, it removes Christianity from it. Do you understand? Anything that is forced, Christ is not there. If any man what? Wills. If any man what? Desires. If any man wants to follow me, he says this is what you do. You know why? Because the one that is forced, you will never be rewarded for it. You know, for people wanting to get married, there's something we do. We do, maybe we should even stop doing it. We do pregnancy tests. What will pregnancy test you? That something broke or that the person is fetter. Listen, all I need to tell you is this. As I stand to join you, realize that whosoever is joined not according to the will of God is not joined before God. You know, when we are joining people in marriage, eh, after we finish joining, you know what we say? We say, you may kiss the bride. We are presuming that that's the first kiss. If you have kissed before, tell us before you came. So that we can say, continue to, now go and continue kissing. But if you have done all kinds of things, and before God we stand here, and you come with white, here comes the bride, here comes the bride, here comes, you think it's me you're deceiving. I have only paper. I say, do you take, do you take, when you have taken sins, you're bringing change to me to join. And you think it's me you're hiding from. You're not hiding from me. What's my business? Unforced. Christianity must be unforced. If it is forced, the, the love has gone out of it. Whatever you do out of fear of man is not Christianity. It's as simple as that. That's why the church, the people, not the church, 
the people were so wrong when they were trying to force people to pay. How can you force any part of Christianity? Jesus looked at, you know, I don't know what to call him, a billionaire, a millionaire in his time. The man said to him, Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? The Bible says, I like that account. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he said to him, you know the commandments. And the man said, I've done all of that. And then Jesus said, okay, go sell all that you have. Give to the poor and do what? And come and follow me. And the man did not follow Jesus. Listen, if it were me, before understanding this, I will encourage him. He said, this thing I'm telling you, it works. If you sell and give to the poor, follow me, prove me. Even before I die, you will hit it. Eh? Your breakthrough will take place. Isn't that what we'll say? But the Bible said, he went away sorrowful. And then Jesus turned to the others and said, how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. He didn't pursue him. He didn't convince him. Trying to tell you that Christianity is your response that determines it. It's anytime anybody forces you, we have stepped out of the spirit of grace. Is someone hearing me? So you, you're coming to church, you're living in sin, and you're expecting that you're dodging us. When you come, it's, uh, maybe it's uh, drugs you take. When you finish, you brush mouth. You pour acid on your mouth. <laughs> and then you're smiling. You're going about everywhere, thinking you're deceiving me. You're not deceiving me. If I force you to do it, it's no longer Christianity. Jesus didn't say to Zacchaeus, you're a thief. Go and restore all that you've stolen. He just said to him, I'm coming to your house. Isn't that what he said? And Zacchaeus said, Jesus, come to my house. On Wednesday, we read Ephesians 3.17. He says that Christ may dwell in your heart. He said, Jesus cannot stay with stolen property. Jesus cannot stay with these things that I've acquired there. So immediately he announced. He says, anybody, everybody that I've stolen from, that I've forcefully cheated, he said, please come now. I restore fourfold. Nobody told him to do that. Why? He encountered the genuine Christianity. Child of God, what I'm saying to us is this. That Christianity that markets you with miracles, breakthrough, everything you hear in the morning is miracle, breakthrough, everything. Do you love God or you love your miracle? Do you love God or you love breakthrough? Because it will avail you nothing. Now the God we are coming to loves us. And that's the foundation. This God that did not withhold his only son. But gave him up for us. So how shall he not what? With him. How shall he not what? With him. Freely. That's the word. Freely. So I go to worship my God. You go to what? Do one for me. What I did? I'm just serving the Lord. He said, but there are no, look at that. You're trusting God for, for a life partner. Nobody there is your, your, your class. If you want class of those who want to marry you. I, well, I don't know which school you should attend. You go for APC convention, PDP convention. There are people, plenty of dollars there. But if you want to worship God, just worship God. Do you understand? Don't, don't worship God with an eye gauging. Is anybody my class there? When you do that, you step out of the unforced readings of grace. Is someone getting what I'm saying? You see, I don't know how to just break, in, you know, break it into us. So that... As we go, because what, what I want us to achieve is where you know that you're walking in love. Are you with me? You know you're speaking in love. You know that your Christianity is in love. This also, it, it has a liberating part. The liberating part is this. You're not trying to prove a point. Our Lord Jesus gave us a practical example when he told us about two men praying. He said one came and stood. 
and said the right words and called God the right names and all of that. And then another one came and stood far off and beat his chest and said what? He said, Lord, I'm not even worthy to come. The other man did not tell a lie when he said he pays tithes and fast. He was saying the truth. But he stood praying. You know, the, uh, the Bible says, these men, they delight to pray on the streets. So if someone is passing and overhead is prayer, oh man, this guy, they fast though. He said, ah, I give. Say, this guy, they give. Me, I never even begin at all. All he was doing, he wasn't really talking to God. He was impressing people. And God said, he, did not go, he didn't get justification. But the man who could not even speak out, but beat his heart and said, Lord, be merciful to me, was talking to God. It was between him and God. Brethren, when we get it right, you see this love, because we're part of what I'd hope we do today is touch on um, such sacrifices where the Bible says, you know, do good and share. But the tendency is whenever that comes up, People misunderstand it. To think you're doing it for anybody or to do it. If we announce now, let's have a group that will be bringing money and then have a group that will be receiving. It will work. You know why? Because pride will make you want to be in one group. Am I right? So that you can be known amongst others. That's not bad if that is not the motivation. But the angle we look at it is this. God has done wonderful things for me. Every statement I make is in response to him. Every statement I make is with the ability he has given to me. Every giving I give is because he has given me. So if anybody looks at me, I will immediately beg him. There are some people that when they give you something, have you noticed such people? When they give you something, even calling them to say thank you, they won't answer you. They give and they dodge. They say, I'm not interested. Because I acknowledge how and what this thing is about. is unto him. But that whole desire for recognition, for praise, for all of that, is a way of satisfying some, you know, some innate desires, which if we understand the root and the source of the whole thing, we would never need it. Basically, if I love my brother, if I love you know, the poor now, so-called poor, the Bible says we are all made from one blood. So am I really helping some other person? I'm helping myself. So there's nothing. Everyone is, we are one. We are one blood. And then if we are Christians, it even makes it more serious. You know why? We are one spirit. Hallelujah. We are one spirit. Do you know the way the spirit operates? The Holy Spirit is one. When you get born again, he baptized you into Christ. Remember what happened with Moses when God took the spirit that was on him. God didn't create new spirits. He took the spirit that was on Moses and put on the 70 leaders. So if any of the 70 is quarreling with another any of the 70, what's he doing? He's quarreling against the spirit. And now that is why our Lord Jesus will say to you and I, if I bring my gift to the altar and realize that my brother has something against me. He said what? He said I should leave the gift and what? And go and reconcile. Why? It's one spirit. Just like for those of us who have children. It's like when your children have misunderstanding, who will you side? When it gets difficult, you just side the one that wants peace and let the other one realign, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, it's a no win for you. How can you win? It's the same way God looks at it. He sees us as one. That's why he said, 
you know, there's a passage in First John. I, I hope I'm able to say, say. It says, and this is, I think it's First John 3. It said, and this is the commandment that you should believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I saw that and I said, God, what did I say? And this is what he wants for us. That you should believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that you should love one, one another. Two of them. When the Bible equals something as fundamental as faith in Christ with loving one another, then it means it's a serious matter. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if I'm not loving one another, I could jeopardize my faith. Are you with me? Or better still, believing on the Lord Jesus must, should enable me to do what? To love one another, as simple as that. Just the same way you see how it works. Let me tell you how it works. Have you had any friend, close friend, who got into government? Let's use this APC government in particular. When they get into this government, are they still close to you? Do they still talk about Nigeria the way you talk? They have believed. <laughs> they have gotten into this. And then what happens? Their love and loyalty shifts immediately. It's automatic. So the same way, if you believe on the Lord Jesus, automatically you love the brethren. As simple as that. Let's rise on our feet. Lord, help me. Lord, help us. Lord, help me. Help me. Lord, help me. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 5. You can put the amplified version there. It says, may the Lord direct our hearts into the love of God. May the Lord establish my heart. Not on any other thing, but into the love of God. We've learned that when you see the love of God in the Bible, it talks about God's love for me and my love for him. May God direct my heart. May God plant me in the love of God. Let me understand it. Let me comprehend it. Let it be my foundation. When I pray, let me pray from the basis of the love God has for me and the love I have for me. Whatever I do, let it be on that ground. Lord, that my heart may be established. And Ephesians 3, can put Ephesians 3 for us, please. 17 to 20. Where it begins to tell us that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That we being rooted and grounded in love will be what? Able to comprehend with all the saints, the width, the length, the depth, the height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That I may be filled with all the fullness of God. So I want God. And God says, this is the route I'm going to go through it. Lord, help me establish my heart in you. Let me understand this love. Interpret it to me. The preacher has preached it. Lord, say to me in my language. As I go from here now, Lord, speak to me in the way that I will know. And know and know that I'm walking in love. Lord, help me. And then we're going to pray. Because you see, the more we meditate on this love, the, the more we see how God of his own will has begotten us to a, li a new and living hope. This God that began the good work in me, brothers and sisters, he hasn't finished. Amen. It's a work of love. God didn't try to grandstand with us. When he touched you and saved you, the Bible says he has a future and an expected end, isn't it? Then tell him thank you. Motivated by love. He says, who has called us with a holy calling? 
Say him whom he knew, he predestined. God is not gambling on you. He loved you, selected you. Started his work in you. He's not about to let you down. Someone came to church burdened. But your Jesus is in the house. He said, come to me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will show you the unforced reading. Just follow me. Follow me. I will take you through it. Just keep obeying me a step at a time. It might not make sense. But just keep following me. Because he has said, no temptation has befallen you, but such as is come unto man. And God, who loves you, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But with every temptation, this God will make a way of escape. It's the way of love. Yes, sir. Loving him and loving our neighbors. Motives being purified. Purify my heart. Establish my heart in love for you. You are my God. My devotion is to you. There is nothing else I want but your glory. Touch me for your glory. Are you sick in the body? Heal me for your glory. Are you in a place of need? Lord, make a way for me for your glory. I'm yours. There is none else I have. Please, O oh Lord. In the name of Jesus. Let there be a provoking unto love. And good works. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, O Lord our God. Even in this time in this nation, you are Jehovah. You have your treasures in secret places. Open the eyes of your people. Direct the footsteps of your people. Let institutions favor them. Let the Lord fall for them in pleasant places. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.